to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? The blackest dies. Oh my god. Come on! Once again, and welcome back to the Skewered Universe podcast. My name is Jeff, your host for this show. I am flying solo once again this week. Leanne is not quite back yet. But before we get into the podcast, prodca- <laughs> let's try that again. Before we get into the podcast proper, I've been listening to quite a few podcasts lately. But there's a new one that I added to my rotation. It is called Wrestling Anonymous hosted by Boom Boom Colt Cabana. Now, those of you who are wrestling fans will know who Colt Cabana is. For those of you who are not in the world of pro grabs, Colt Cabana is a name that got famous on the independent circuit. He's wrestled in WWE. He's wrestled in Japan. He's wrestled for Ring of Honor. And he is now in AEW. So basically the premise of this podcast is he's having people call in and give their experiences with wrestlers, wrestling, whatever it is, and it's anonymous. So I've been listening, and some of the stories are real fun, and I decided to call in and leave one of mine. But then I got thinking that I have several cool little stories from when I worked at Knott's Berry Farm, just little interactions with some celebrities And I figured I would start off today's podcast by sharing those because I think it's really fun. And what I want to do is after I share these and after we go through the whole show, after this, I want you guys to email in and share some uh, celebrity encounters you may have had, whether it be actors, musicians, wrestlers, hell, even local news people. I don't care. Just, you know, share your experiences. So... I worked at Knott's starting in 1996. Yes, I'm dating myself. I worked there for four years um, up until 2000. Just after the new year, I was there a few more months and then I left. But in the time I was there, I came across several celebrities. And it was actually kind of fun. The first one that I remember meeting was Sean Young. Those of you who don't know, she was in Blade Runner. She was... Lieutenant Einhorn in Ace Ventura Pet Detective and famously was turned down for the role of Catwoman in Tim Burton's Batman Returns even though she had gone to the audition in full-blown Catwoman costume. Anyway, I'm working at the counter. I worked for one of those burger joints within the park. I was in food services. I ended up working at a burger stand. So I'm going through my line, helping everyone out. 
this woman walks up, she places her order, and I'm looking, and it finally dawns on me, holy shit, this is Sean Young. I give her her order, give her a change, give her her food, and she, she was very nice, very nice, thank you, enjoy the rest of your time in, in the park, I hope you have a wonderful day. And she was very, very nice, she just seemed like she was there to just get away from it all. So she seemed a little distracted, but maybe it was like, hey, I need to go there someplace and just, you know, hang out and do stuff. But it was it was pretty cool. So I have three more encounters. Well, technically four, but this one I'm going to talk about wasn't really an encounter <laughs> as much as several of us that were working saw MC Hammer walking with his family through the park. And one of my friends at the time that I was working with asked me point blank, and not very quietly, Hey, isn't MC Hammer bankrupt? How can he afford to come to an amusement park with his entire fucking family? <laughs> and I thought that was funny. And we, we tried to call him over for autographs, and then we were reprimanded by our supervisors. Because <laughs> we are not supposed to do that as employees of the park. We are supposed to maintain a professional... Uh, atmosphere and a professional demeanor at all times. So the, the second encounter I want to talk about, so I was leaving work one day and I'm walking out through the employee backstage area and I come out and I notice there's this really, really tall looking dude and this really, really short woman. Now in actuality, she's probably like average height. But this dude was really tall, and I'm looking, and I'm like, God, that guy's big. And then I realize I was looking up at Paul White, the big show himself, and that man is huge in real life. Now, he just kind of looked down. I nodded at him, said, you know, have a nice day, said thank you, and carried on. That was the extent of our interaction, but... I think he only looked at me because I was looking at him in such awe, like, holy shit, you are huge in person. And he really is, but he's, he seemed like a nice guy, but like I said, I didn't really interact with him that much. Okay, I'm going to save my favorite for last, so I'm going to go on to this next one here. We had Usher come into the park. That's right, Usher himself, you know, the singer, dancer all-around talented son of a bitch. <laughs> anyway, he comes into the park. He's there with his family, entourage, whoever. And he decides to order food from our establishment. And they come to my window. Okay, not a big deal. At this time, I've been helping to manage. I know how to handle the celebrity stuff or the important stuff when it comes in. We got this. Get the order get it together, take it outside. He looks at me and goes, well, we don't get any napkins or straws? Now, I got a little heated. Now, I didn't say anything to him, but I got a little heated because not only did you come to my line, have someone order all this food because you couldn't do it yourself, Usher, then you have the audacity after I get everything together and you give me attitude about napkins and straws. When all someone had to do was just 
walk around to the window and go, hey, can I get, you know, a couple handfuls of straws and some napkins? And we would have gladly given it to you. But no, what I did was I was extremely nice. I said, oh, you know what? Must have forgot to put them on the tray. Let me go run inside and get you some right now. I went into our stock room. I grabbed an unopened package of napkins. Now, if any of you have worked at in fast food or in an amusement park fast food setting, the napkins we would get at this time were bundled with a brown band, brown paper band on them. They were just stacked in a box. So I grabbed one of those, still with the brown band on it, just reached into a box of straws and just grabbed a handful of straws, walked outside and said, here are some napkins, here are some straws. I wanted to make sure you had more than enough. Have a nice day and enjoy your meal. And he goes, thanks, I guess. And they all just looked at me with attitude. I went inside and I was pissed. First off, I get you're a celebrity. You're used to a certain lifestyle. But it pissed me off because you basically just, just spit in my face because I forgot napkins and straws when I had just gathered this large food order for you, which I think was like 10 burger combos and a couple of pizzas and some other things like shakes and drinks and all this. The three of us took it out there. And he chose me because I had the majority of the food. He chose me to, to come at for napkins and straws. I'm like, Dude, it's napkins and straws. Get over yourself, okay? So not entirely a good experience, but, you know, an experience nonetheless. Got to realize that Usher is probably as much a diva as Mariah Carey, as far as that point in time was. I don't know how he is now, but at that point in time, huge diva. So now, on to my favorite interaction. Now, there was no... There was no discussion. There wasn't any verbal exchange here. This was more of a mutual understanding between two individuals as we passed through the park. But at this time, I had been promoted to the shift leader or manager position. And this day, I was going out around the park checking our satellite locations. We had like churro stands, like a hot dog and nacho stand. I had an ice cream stand, and I was making my rounds, and I'm heading out to the ice cream stand. And I notice this person walking by, and he's got some family around him, but he's kind of in front a little bit. And I glance over, and I recognize this individual immediately. The long mullet is a dead giveaway for who this person is. Wearing a shirt, you can see all his muscles and everything. And I, I stopped dead in my tracks, and he must have noticed my jaw must have hit the ground or something. Because he looked at me and gave me this look like, okay, you recognize who I am. And the look said more like, you recognize who I am, but don't say anything. I haven't been recognized yet. I'm here with my family. Keep it cool. So I looked at him. I nodded. He nodded, we passed, and we weren't very far from each other. As I looked, nodded at him, said, have a nice day. He nodded, and I went on about my day. And that person I had that exchange with was the late, great Eddie Guerrero. 
and it was fucking amazing because I recognized him quickly. Now, I had seen him wrestle some in WCW, and I wasn't a huge WCW fan at the time. I was more watching WWF. And this was just before Guerrero, Malenko, and Benoit. Oh, Guerrero, Malenko, Benoit, and Saturn, or Perry Saturn, jumped over to WWF as the Radicals. This was like just before. He was in the park with his family that day, and just that look of like, hey, don't say anything. I haven't been recognized. I'm just enjoying some time with my family here. And I just nodded. That moment we had, I'll remember it forever. Because it was a distinct look he gave me like, come on, man, don't don't blow this. Having a good time. I haven't been recognized. My family and I are just having some fun. And I, I got it from that look. I just acknowledged him, said, have a nice day. And kept about my business. I didn't see him again in the park after that. But I will tell you this, he was, <laughs> in person, the guy was in incredible shape. His mullet at the time was on point. And it kind of won me over as a fan even more at that time. Because I got to see who he was as a person. Like, hey, I'm just here outside of the wrestling to be a guy with his family. Let me have that, please. And I totally wanted to do that for him, so I did it. It was just a cool interaction. Like I said, we didn't really say anything. I said, have a nice day to him, but that's just was standard for me to go on about what I was doing. But it was really, it was a really cool interaction. It was brief. It only took the time of maybe one full minute of me walking out, seeing him, the recognition, the exchange of a look the acknowledgement of, I get where you're coming from, Mr. Guerrero, him saying, all right, you get it. I say, have a nice day, and we go on about our days. But it was just cool to see somebody outside of the ring like that, outside of who they are, this big personality in the ring, and seeing him just as the man, Eddie Guerrero. So that was it. We did have, at some point, somebody told us that I think Nicolas Cage and like Courtney Cox and David Arquette were in the parks. I think Nick Cage was married to Patricia Arquette at the time where they were dating. So they said they were in the park with their families. I never got to see them, so I didn't have an interaction with them. But those interactions, I remember them. <laughs> Three of them I remember fondly, and one really pissed me right the fuck off. So that's our little intro this week. And if you stick around after this, we'll get into what we're talking about this week. And I think you guys will really, really enjoy it. Welcome to Willie's Wonderland. You spend the night cleaning Willie's Wonderland, and I will pay to have your car fixed. Deal? You are officially on staff. Let's get the hell out of here. I can't stand to hear a grown man scream. This place has a dark history. I know the bullshit story they told you. It's a lie. You're here to be a human sacrifice. Have you been listening to a word I've been saying? He's gonna die in here, but he won't listen to me. It's your birthday. 
Enjoy a man a few words. Alright, so after that little trailer there, I'm most certain most of you can now figure out the movie I'm going to be talking about today is the Nick Cage vehicle, Willy's Wonderland. Released just this year. Oh, and let's see here. I have my notes. Before we get that, pour myself a little whiskey here. A little, uh, and not sponsored by the way, but a sheepdog peanut butter whiskey. Pretty damn good. If you can find some, I'd say give it a shot. So I'm just going to pour myself the last bit of my bottle here. Alright. So, Willy's Wonderland. Movie made on a $5 million budget. So, fairly low-budget film. It is directed by Kevin Lewis. As you can hear, I have my notes here. <laughs> I just watched this, so I was taking notes as I was watching. Yeah, real podcast professional over here now, ladies and gentlemen. So, fucking A, let's do this. And we have Nick Cage as simply janitor or silent drifter. Because, and, okay, before I go any further and list anything else off, I'm spoiling this movie. I realize this is still fairly new. This is a special occasion. Most of you know that I do fairly new releases and stuff that I've seen like this on transmission. Spoiler free, short, sweet, to the point, what I thought about it. Once I saw the trailer for this movie, I knew I had to give Nick Cage a pass and actually do it on the main show. And I don't have a co-host. I'm a fan of Nick Cage, so... Let's do this. So as I said, we have Nick Cage as janitor. I'm just going to refer to him as Nick Cage because he doesn't really have a name in this movie. We have Beth Grant as Sheriff Lund. Emily Tosta as Liv. Rick Reitz as Tex McAdoo. I almost said Machado. That's not right. Tex McAdoo. Chris Warner as Jed Love. Kaylee Cowan as Kathy. Terrell Hill as Bobby. And Christina Del Grosso as... Christian Del Grosso as Aaron. Was called him Christina. That, a lot of unknowns that I haven't heard of, mostly the cast of kids become fodder for these entities. Alright, so what we have is a drifter comes into town, his car gets wrecked by a spike strip on the highway, tow truck driver comes along and is like, oh, well, that's a shame. But, uh, you know, we can get that fixed, but let me take you into town and we'll, uh, We'll see what's going on here. Takes him in his car. Tells him it's going to cost him about, what do you say, $1,200? 
over a grand to fix it. Nick Cage goes to hand him a credit card. He goes, oh, no, no, it's cash up front. No plastic here. ATMs don't work because this town of Hayesville, they don't got no internet. And for a second, I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. And then I thought, wait, yeah, in the U.S., there could be places with no internet. So it's not that unbelievable. So anyway, Nick Cage cannot get any money to pay this guy. This guy tells him, hey, I know somebody. If you're willing to work, we can get this all squared away. And you'll have your car in the morning. Nick Cage nods. He goes to meet the owner of Willie's Wonderland. Who proposes to Nick Cage. You stay here overnight. You clean the place up. You work for me. Car will be ready for you in the morning. Tires repaired. Any other things done to it. And you're good to go. Nick Cage agrees. Tech shows him around the inside. Says this is what you're dealing with. Tells him we'll see you in the morning. Then locks Nick Cage inside. Takes off. We have... <laughs> a young girl named Liv. Who was busted by the sheriff. Trying to burn Willie's Wonderland down. Just before Nick Cage and the sheriff and Tex arrived. And she's got a group of friends. And she's... They're all, not just she, they're all convinced that Willie's is like a gateway to hell. There's evil things going on in there. So much murder and violence, and they need to, to burn the place down. But now that there's somebody in there, they got to get him out first. So they make their way to Willie's Wonderland. And once the night falls, shit goes crazy. Animatronic robots come to life. Because Willie's Wonderland is like Chuck E. Cheese, ladies and gentlemen. It is a place where families go to celebrate their children's birthdays and other big events. They eat hot dogs, they have cake, they sing, they play games. There's an animatronic band. And I can tell you exactly who was in that band. Because I wrote them down. Because that's how I'm rolling tonight. So the characters of Willy's Wonderland are made up of Willy the Weasel, Artie the Alligator, Siren Sarah, Cammy the Chameleon, Gus Gorilla, Nighty Knight, who is a knight that is spelled K-N-I-G-H-T-Y, K-N-I-G-H-T. Yeah, I, I know, it doesn't make sense with the other characters, but let's just roll with it. Ozzy the Ostrich, and finally Tito the Turtle, who speaks Spanish, apparently, because his name is Tito. So those are our cast of characters of Willie the Weasel and his friends at Willie's Wonderland. What we get once night falls is Nick Cage sticking to breaks because he was told by text to make sure he takes breaks. Drinking his punch energy drink slash soda and killing fucking possessed animatronic robots. It is insane. It does get fairly gory. And then it all wraps up in the end with Nick Cage basically proving he's he's too cool to be killed. Gets his car back that's repaired and he rides off with Liv, the lone survivor of her group of friends. They ride off into the sunset together. I don't know if they're going to find other Willy's Wonderlands around the world <laughs> or around the country and save them, but... That is the most basic of premises for this movie. Now, 
I have tons of notes here. Like the very opening, when this movie opens, we just see a couple, a man and a woman, inside of a building, running, obviously scared. And what's funny, and I like this little trope, is they're running down a hall, and the guy trips and falls, struggles to get up, and then is dragged back down this hallway. Away from his girlfriend, wife, whoever she is, friend, accomplice in crime, I'm not sure. And I really like that, because normally it's the woman that falls down, and then gets dragged away screaming. It was him. He's killed off screen, she's running away... We see a look on her face like she sees something. It cuts to a TV screen. We hear her scream. Blood splatter on this little CRT television. And then we move into the main story where Nick Cage runs over the spike strip. And what's funny about Nick Cage's character in this, he doesn't say a word. There's not a word spoken. There are only some vocal noises made. He'll sigh. He'll say, ah, after taking a drink. Speaking of that, let me take a little bit of my whiskey here. Oh. Mmm. You know, some of you may think, peanut butter whiskey, that sounds weird. Actually, it's really good. I recommend it. Whatever brand you can find. I'm not partial to Sheepdog, but it's the only peanut butter whiskey I've tried. Anyway. Nick Cage does not speak. As I said, he sighs. He says, after drinking his punch energy drink and makes guttural grunting noises when he's exerting himself killing these animatronic <laughs> possessed robots. He apparently really loves pinball because as he's cleaning he uncovers a pinball machine and is absolutely mesmerized by it. While he cleans everything else up in the place and it looks good towards the end once you see it, he takes the most time cleaning this pinball machine so he can plug it in and play it on his brakes. Which I have to commend him. This character that he's playing rigorously timed his brakes, set an alarm on his watch to beep when he is to go on break, and to beep when his break is over. It's really It really shows that his character is like, I stick to a schedule. This is what I do. And it really shows because once the shit hits the fan and these animatronics are coming to life, he doesn't take care of business with them until his break is over. If he's on break, he just waits. And then he goes back and is like, oh, this thing's walking around. I'm going to fucking kill it. And the first kill we see... <laughs> The first animatronic that we see him kill is Ozzy the Ostrich. You see it moving in the background. You've seen all of these things kind of move in the background, kind of turn their heads, their eyes blink. They're kind of watching him. They're moving around a little bit on stage. But the ostrich is the first one to step down from its podium and make its way towards Nick Cage. He's cleaning the floor and, like, senses. You know that sense you get when someone's behind you? You can see that that's what he's realizing. Like, there's something there. So he turns around, and there's this ostrich. So he hits it with the mop handle. Nothing happens. Hits it again. <laughs> All of a sudden, this ostrich goes, I'm going to eat your face! Or something similar to that. It was like, okay, here we go. And he just ends up beating the shit 
out of this ostrich. Not before Ozzy gets a little uh, gets a little peck in and slices Nick Cage's cheek, but he absolutely destroys this thing, and then rips out its robotic spine. I guess we'll call it, and it's really kind of funny. Because it was like a spine, but I, I guess it was like motors and servos. But instead of there being blood... Another sip of whiskey there. It's like oil. All over the parts. So when he pulls it out, you see like oil splatter on his face. It's dripping down his arm. It's dripping down this robotic spine of servos and wires. It was really cool. I actually really enjoyed that. So as the night goes on, the <laughs> Liv who was taken back to her home by the sheriff and handcuffed to, I don't know, a pipe in a trailer, it seemed like. Her friends show up. They get her out of her handcuffs. She says, we got to go there. They got a guy in there. We got to get him out. We got to burn the place down. We got to end it tonight. Now, while her friends believe that Willie's is haunted, there's evil shit going down, they really don't want to take part in this. They... Well, they do and they don't. Some do's are like, it's going to be fun. And she's like, it's not about fun or entertainment. It's about, you know, doing what's right. We need to end this. And, you know, basically the same bullshit you hear in every horror movie if there's something like this happening. There's a cult killing people or there's a killer out there. It's basically, this is like a supernatural slasher. So these kids end up at Willie's. They're trying to burn it down. Liv says, no, we got to get that guy out of there, Nick Cage. So they walk around the building. They see a window, and they're getting, they get his attention. They're like, hey, we're going to get you out. And he just turns and goes back to work. It's like, whatever, I got shit to do. And they're like, okay, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? And we see the sheriff has gone back to her sheriff's office. And she's brought in one officer as backup from the state, I believe, to help her out in case anything goes on. He's asking her, well, what are we supposed to do? And she's got, like, this red bat phone on her desk, you know, like Commissioner Gordon had in Batman 66, <laughs> that old series. Very similar to that. She goes, we sit here, make sure that phone doesn't ring, and then you get to go home in the morning. Cool. All right, whatever. That doesn't question it. We come back to Willie's. And this was really cool because Liv makes her way inside, but she goes to the roof and goes through an air vent. Well, she just turns a corner when we see the alligator character right behind her. Just starts chasing her. She makes her way to a vent opening, falls into a ball pit that is in like some fairy land. Where she gets confronted by Siren Sarah, of all characters. They have a brief tussle, goes back to Nick Cage. He comes out and sees Liv. She falls on him, she's like, oh, I stabbed that bitch, but she's going to come back. He just walks away from her, she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's basically... She gets inside, tries to talk to him. He's like, look, I got work to do. He's not saying anything, he's just not even acknowledging her. He's turning around, going back to work, or going back to his break. When she screams as the siren character confronts her, her friend's outside here, and they go, we gotta get inside! More importantly, I guess, her boyfriend or whoever says, we gotta get inside and help her, whatever, you know. 
So they all go to the roof. They end up all falling through the roof after a brief confrontation. Two of them go through first. The rest fall in later. And now things really start to pick up. They're trying to convince this Nick Cage character, we got to get you out of here, and we're going to burn this place down. And they proceed to tell him the history, well, Liv divulges the history of Willy's Wonderland. It was opened in 96, which, point of contention there. She says it was opened in 96, but later on in the movie we get a song that says since 1984. So I'm really kind of confused there. But anyway, she says it was opened in 96 by a serial killer named Jerry Robert Willis. So he opened Willie's Wonderland, then hired other like-minded people such as himself, other killers, to be his staff. And every once in a while, they would... I guess they would take turns donning the Willie the Weasel costume and take certain families away if they were celebrating birthdays to the super happy fun room. There'd be a cake there for them and all this decorations, and then they would murder the fuck out of the family. And we we see our first child kill in this movie. Just basically, there's a splatter of blood on the cake, and then a kid's head gets hit, and he falls over. I was like, okay, we're killing kids. I'm, I'm okay with this. I'm on board. So we have that. They've been killing people in this place. People have been going missing. So the police finally raid the place. After tons of people go missing, people are like, hey, you need to check it out. The police finally raid the place. Pausing for a sip. Ah, oh, it's so good. God, I love whiskey. Anyway, the police show up. They kick the door in. And from the story Liv's telling, the five of them... No, seven? I think there were seven of these guys. As there were seven characters altogether. Hang on, I'm going to double check my... Uh... Here we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight of them. So there were eight characters, there were eight workers. One of them knew of a satanic ritual where they could kill themselves, but they would be invoking some demonic forces from hell to transfer their souls into the bodies of inanimate objects, in this case the animatronic robots, in Willy's Wonderland. Now, if any of that sounds familiar, it's kind of close to the voodoo ritual that Charles Lee Ray uses in Child's Play to transfer his dying soul into the body of a good guy doll, but, you know, I there's not really a whole lot of original ideas left, so them aping from Child's Play, not too bad. I'm okay with it. So she tells him that. Says, now they're back, they're killing people, blah, blah, blah. And he's just, you know, on his break. Sitting there, playing pinball, and they're trying to figure out, what the fuck is this guy's problem? His watch beeps, he goes back to work. And then we start to see... The deaths of Liv's friends. One of her friends gets Nighty Knight's sword right through the torso. We have Siren Sarah and uh, Tito the Turtle feasting on another one of her friends. 
Now, her two friends, Bobby and Kathy, when they get inside, they see a sign for the Super Happy Fun Room. And this is the one couple in the group of friends. So they're like, oh, hey, let's go off. You know, they're the stupid friends that want to go off and fucking get killed. Spoiler alert, they're going to die. So they're in the Super Happy Fun Room, and Kathy's getting all like, is it weird that this really turns me on? <laughs> and I'm thinking... Yeah, you fucking psycho. <laughs> you fucking crazy bitch. But of course, her boyfriend, who is all about getting his dick wet, doesn't give a fuck. You know why? Because he's gonna get some punani. So anyway, they get down to fucking. Let's just get right to it. And the alligator, already the alligator, has been in the room the entire time just watching them. Watching them go at it. Apparently he's having a good time. Then he moves. Kathy freaks out. Bobby says, let's just give him a show and finish. <laughs> and then the alligator decides he's hungry and <laughs> eats them both after watching them fuck. Well, he eats Bobby first. Kathy runs to the door to try to get out. She can't open it. Liv and Nick Cage hear her screams after they've dispatched of the night. Well, I should say Nick Cage dispatched of the night by repeatedly bashing his head against the wall. Which <laughs> is fucking brutal. You just see the head caving in and there's cracks and there's just the oil and stuff smashing on the wall. Almost like blood. The movie is super gory, but it's not blood. It's mostly oil. I mean, there's a lot of blood too, but not as much as the oil and shit coming out of these robots. So anyway, they hear Kathy screaming. It goes quiet. They kick Nick Cage kicks the door in. And they're both just, you know, eaten by the alligator. Who Nick Cage then tackles, grabs his upper and lower jaws, cracks them open to where the spirit inside can no longer close them, and then rips out some of the innards by reaching down its throat. Not sure how it works, but it was a pretty cool visual. So we're moving along, and we get to... The friend Chris that really wanted to go in and save Liv because she was screaming. He's in the arcade. It powers up. Now the chameleon characters there saying, I'm not really evil. They forced me to do this. I'm good. I don't want to be in this body. This is torture. If you help me get to the other side, I'll tell you everything about the other side. Oh, He's an idiot. Liv walks in and he goes, no, no, it's fine. She's going to help us. The chameleon turns around. Spits her tongue around Chris's neck, snaps it like a twig, he falls to the ground. <laughs> I believe the line she turns to live and says is, Do you want to play, bitch? Something to that effect. Called her a bitch. It was really, really kind of funny. So then Tito the turtle ends up killing the other cop. <laughs> I'll tell you how we get there. So. Nick Cage comes in, he starts wrapping this thing around the chameleon's neck, and he's dragging her down this hallway. And they come across Tito the Turtle and Siren Sarah. <laughs> he just clocks them both in the face, knocking them out. Like, I ain't got time for your bullshit, I gotta handle this one first. Meanwhile, the chameleon's still alive, you can see it's holding on to the wire stuff around its throat. It's blinking its eyes, it's twitching, trying to get free, whatever. 
he drags her out. And as soon as he gets out to the main his banquet hall of Willy's Wonderland, and he's about to dispatch the chameleon, we get the sheriff and her backup coming in, telling him to let go of the chameleon. They take the cords off the chameleon's neck, handcuff Nick Cage's character against the other cop's will. He's like, I'm not just leaving him in here. What the fuck? And she says, you're going to do it because of your wife and kids, and that's it. Now, just before they went inside, the sheriff divulged more information to this guy, this other cop, about what's really been going on in the town. So... These serial killers who possessed this, possessed the bodies of these animatronics totally happened. What we didn't know was that once this happened, the townsfolk and the sheriff herself tried to get people to destroy the building. Burn it down, demo it, whatever. Everything inside, just demolish it, destroy everything. And the person who was supposed to do it ended up dead, was just chewed up. They went and ate him. They ate his ass. Well, not his ass, it was his guts. But they might have eaten his ass, I don't know. And she tells him that. When that didn't work, and the demo guy was dead, they decided to just try and tell everybody to just stay away. Stay away from Willie's Wonderland, don't go. That didn't work. So then the sheriff, Tex McAdoo, and our tow truck driver, all decided to go in and bargain with Willie, essentially make a deal with the devil. If you leave the townspeople alone and you don't kill our children and the people here, we'll bring you people that just happen to be passing through the town so you can feed. We'll sacrifice them to you as long as you leave us alone. And apparently that worked for a number of years. And this was also how the sheriff came to be the caretaker for Liv. Because we see Liv as a young girl being scooped up by the sheriff after her family was murdered by Willie and his cohorts. Excuse me. Go off mic there for a second to burp. I know y'all wanted to hear that. Another sip. Well, we're just gonna... We didn't have much whiskey. We're gonna finish it here. Oh, that's... Oh, that's good stuff. So we find out that story, and then we cut to them going inside. They've handcuffed Nick Cage. They're going to leave him there. She tells this cop, you're going to take Liv, take her down to the jail, put her in a cell. I'm going to stay here and watch to make sure this fucker dies and everything goes off smoothly. So the cop and Liv drive off. Sheriff gets in a pickup truck that's there. While the cop and Liv are driving, Tito the Turtle throws his arm through the window and starts attacking the cop who's driving eventually gets him out of the car and is killing him while Liv's trying to get the keys to drive off. Well, the turtle's got those. But somehow she's able to get the shotgun out of the car. I'm assuming it wasn't secured in any way, because normally they're locked. She gets that and goes to try and shoot him, and the turtle shows her the shotgun shells and goes, Oh, que lastima. So again, the turtle speaks Spanish because his name's Tito. I got no fucking idea. Okay? Don't ask me why he speaks fucking Spanish. Don't ask me why they named him fucking Tito. I don't know. Maybe they really liked Tito Santana growing up in the WWF. I don't know, people. Anyway. 
that cop's dead. Liv ends up beating the shit out of Tito with the shotgun and then heads back to Willie's. Tito's not dead, but he's like, no more, no more, please don't hit me anymore. So she goes back. When we come back to Willie's, we, all we see is Nick Cage has was confronted just before we left to the cop car by Siren Sarah, the chameleon, Kamek the chameleon, I believe, and Willie the weasel saying, oh, you want a menage a trois? When we cut back, Nick Cage is straddling the siren on her chest with his knees around her neck. And it seems like he may have broken her neck, but we're not 100% certain. So at this point, we're assuming that she's dead. Once that's done, he gets up. And apparently he's able to break out of these handcuffs or zip tie, Whatever they use, he's able to break them. He dispatches of the chameleon. Once that's done, he cleans up a little bit, and he walks up to confront Willie. He's just looking at this tall, weasley-looking character. His watch beeps, he goes on break. I shit you not. And you think, oh, this is the climax, Willie's going to come after him. Nope, his watch beeps, he goes on break. Goes on break, he grabs another one of his punch energy drinks, because he drinks one, every, at least one, every break. You don't see him drink any water, <laughs> so I'm wondering how his kidneys are still functioning, if this is all he's drinking. But I digress. He goes on his break, he's playing pinball and dancing, which apparently was all improvised by Nick Cage, which does not surprise me. Does not surprise me one bit. So he's playing pinball, 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 wow, pinball, which... I love pinball. I grew up going to an arcade here after we'd play baseball games. We'd get pizza. Some would play miniature golf. I'd go right to the pinball area. And just for hours, hours that we were there, we'd just jump around the different pinball machines. So I understand why his character would want to play some pinball. Especially, especially since you're uncovering one and you take all this time to clean it and plug it in. And I'm partial, too, because, you know, my dad's had one for years, and we power it up every once in a while and play it when we're hanging out together. An old eight-ball pinball machine, but I digress. <laughs> I'm getting off topic here. So he's dancing while playing pinball to music that I guess is being played, that or he's just dancing while playing. I, I, I honestly don't know for certain. His watch beeps, and he goes back. Goes back out to do some more work. He's back doing more cleaning. And I have to say, the the cleaning solution he's using, the bottle mark degreaser, it is some of the best degreaser and cleaning solution I've ever seen. Because, oh man, I completely forgot about the gorilla he killed. <laughs> Rewind. So he goes into the men's room, and this thing is is a nightmare. The sinks, the urinals are just this awful, disgusting yellow. You know, like that old yellowed porcelain, that nasty... Ugh, yeah. There's graffiti on the walls saying all this shit. But this cleaning solution is like a miracle because it's able to take old spray paint and marker off walls without too much effort. So I want to know, if the filmmakers happen to stumble across this for Willy's Wonderland, if the director 
Kevin Lewis is listening to this, I want to know what was that degreaser he used. Because I want to know how it cleaned off all that stuff. Because I got a Traeger in my backyard that I need to clean. And I want to make sure that I can clean it as spotless as he was getting that fucking place. Because it restored old yellowed porcelain to like new. I'm just saying. It's like That's like the best, the best effect of this movie is this degreaser. Anyway. While he's in the bathroom, he hears this voice playing, let's play hide and seek. Ultimately, they slam all the doors on the stalls. He kicks it open one by one, sees nothing. Then this gorilla swings down, <laughs> swings down from the bar over the door of one of the urinals, you know? Like this big-ass gorilla character animatronic thing wouldn't be seen out of your peripheral, even just up, because you can, you know what I mean? Your vision allows you to see up and down somewhat. It confronts him. They beat the shit out of each other. And Nick Cage dispatches this guy in in the most brutal curb stomp I've seen. He sets the gorilla's mouth on one of the urinals and just stomps his head repeatedly like six times until he knows for sure that fucker's dead. I'm going back to work. And he goes back to work. So anyway, we're going back towards the end of the movie. He's walking around, he's cleaning this place, and then we see the final confrontation of him and Willie. Willie's there, beats the shit out of, he's, actually no, we don't see that. What we see is Nick Cage walk out of Willie's with a trash bag, throw it in the dumpster, and the sheriff sees him, and is like, well this son of a bitch, he's still alive? He walks back in, she grabs her shotgun, goes in. And goes and says, why couldn't you just die? You know, we had a good thing. Why couldn't you just die? Then Willie's behind her. <laughs> just cuts the sheriff in half with one swipe of his weasel paw. And just the top half of her body goes flying out of frame. And her legs are there. And then they just kind of crumple. It was it was actually really cool to see it. It was it a was really cool effect. I just love the part the fact that her upper body just kind of flying off screen. And her legs stand in there for a minute, a couple spurts, and they just, spurts of blood, then they just kind of crumple over. So then, we get the confrontation between Nick Cage and Willie the Weasel. And it's pretty fucking cool, because Willie kind of hands his ass, Nick Cage's ass for a little bit. Slicing him, punching him, knocks him into a ball pit, leaves him for dead, he's like, alright, well... Dust off my paws, going back to my stage, we're done. Not quite. As Nick Cage crawls out of the ball pit, goes back into the kitchen area, gets all of his energy drinks out of the fridge, throws them in this canvas bag he has, ties that up, duct tapes the two sticks from the mop handle together that he had broke earlier in the film to beat the shit out of the ostrich. And goes out and just mercilessly beats the ever-loving fuck out of Willie. Beats the shit out of him. He's covered in this animatronic oil blood. And it just rips Willie's head off. And it was, it was so fucking cool. So we get to the what we believe is the end. So we cut to daytime. Tex is now outside, waiting on the tow truck driver. Tow truck driver 
shows up. Wow, I don't know why I screwed those words up. He shows up doing donuts in Nick Cage's Camaro. Pulls in, tells the guy, wow, that, that baby handles great. He tosses Tex the keys and says, eh, all four tires are brand new. He even gave her a tune-up for you. She's going to run like new. Tex is like, well, all right. Always that good to add another toy to the collection. It's apparently he collects all the cars from the families they sacrifice. <laughs> Wonder how many fucking minivans that guy's got. <laughs> anyway. So he tells the tow truck driver, well, I've been waiting for you before I go in to see what what's going on in there he's like shit i'm not going in there (laughs) like you own the place you go in there tex so tex reluctantly walks to the front door that he had chained and padlocked the day before to keep nick cage inside that chain's on the ground he kind of hits it with his foot and he's like well what the fuck he looks inside sees the entire place is now organized and cleaned up and looks as good as new. You know, the walls are sparkling clean. The tables are all set. The chairs are up. The tables are clean. And he's like, well, what the fuck is this? And just before that, we had seen the montage after Nick had killed Willie. He went through and cleaned up, finished cleaning the entire place. Got all the dead bodies, wrapped them up nicely, covered their faces. Very respectful. Very, very respectful. So a text comes in. We see Nick Cage's character getting sort of cleaned up, putting his leather jacket back on. He walks out and sees the tow truck driver and Tex. And they just look at him and are like, what the fuck? So Nick Cage just walks up, puts his hand out. Tex hands him the keys to his car. Nick Cage walks out. And here we see Liv has finally made her way back to Willie's Wonderland after walking down the road. And they just look at each other for a second. Sort of like in the beginning of the film. They had exchanged a glance with each other in the beginning of the film, which was I thought was really kind of weird. They do it again. He gets in his car. Liv gets in with him. They leave. But there was one thing that we saw while Tex and the tow truck driver were outside shooting the shit before they went in. Siren Sarah is still alive. She got out of the building. She's outside running around and finds two gas cans that the kids left behind. So Nick Cage and Liv have driven off down the road. And Tex and our tow truck driver friend are talking about what to do with this place. Because Tex is like, well, now I can open it up. Maybe give it a new name, a new feel. And they're talking about these ideas. Well, they look in the rear view and they see Siren Sarah and they go, oh, shit. And she has been pouring gas or fixing... Either way, there's gas cans and cloths hanging out and she lights them and the entire car blows the fuck up, sends her flying backwards, so now she's finally dead. Tex and the tow truck driver burned alive in the car. Next thing we see, we catch up to Nick and Liv driving down the road, where we see Tito the Turtle, who has now gotten to his feet, and he's stumbling down the road, and they just drive right on through him, exploding his body into a number of body parts. And that is where we end. Nick Cage survived one night at Willy's Wonderland. 
now it's it's very reminiscent of the game Five Nights at Freddy's, which I think is it was really cool to kind of turn that idea into a video not a video game it was a video game but to take something similar to that premise and turn it into a movie especially when it's kind of a supernatural thriller of the effects i really liked i i've heard some people say they didn't care for the robots having this like oil blood thing i'm like well maybe it was part of the possession maybe whatever lubricant would keep those servos and motors running became more like lifeblood when their souls took over. Whatever. I enjoyed it. I liked the way he was pulling parts out and they were just covered in this shit. That it was splattering around as if it was blood, but it wasn't. I really like those effects. I like the gore effects of the kids being killed. These animatronic creatures just were dingy and filthy. The entire inside of Willy's Wonderland was just run down and nasty. Basically the same as if you walk into a Chuck E. Cheese right now. <laughs> I haven't been in a Chuck E. Cheese for years. If they hear this, I apologize if your places are clean. But we all know ball pits are a den of disease anyway. I had a lot of fun watching this. I've heard some reviews talking about this saying, eh, it was alright. It's kind of weird that Nick Cage didn't talk. I actually didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. And one reason I didn't mind it there's a brief glimpse in the beginning when he's driving down the road. We see some dog tags hanging off his mirror. Now, we don't see them long enough. I mean, you could pause it and freeze frame, zoom in, all that. Figure out if there's his name on there. But there's dog tags hanging, and it made me think, oh, maybe he's military and has seen some shit. So he's like, I'd rather not talk about it. I'll just do what I got to do to get by. Or maybe something happened and he can't speak. But it would explain why he's such a fucking badass in this movie and is able to dispatch of these possessed animatronics with precision, essentially. He does it pretty cool. I, like I said, I had a lot of fun with this. It was just something I needed tonight. I needed something light, fun, kind of a slasher, kind of supernatural. Like I said, it's kind of like a supernatural slasher. As we start out with real-life serial killers, and then they do a ritual to move their souls into these inanimate animatronic puppets. Which is actually a really, really cool idea. I mean, it's very much child's play with the voodoo ritual. Moving the soul of Charles Lee Ray into a good guy doll. But, they did say satanic ritual, and we saw a satanic symbol, so... Slightly different, but still the same. Different, but same. Yeah, a, a lot of the stuff in this movie... I love the scenes of him just playing pinball on his break. I don't know why. I think it's because I have a love for pinball. But then I was sitting here looking through some of the uh, trivia on IMDb, and yeah, Nicolas Cage definitely improvised the pinball dance. Which, if you see it, it makes a lot of sense that he would improvise that. The original name for the movie was Wally's Wonderland, and it got changed to Willy's Wonderland. <laughs> there is a line that Liz throws out as she's getting taken out of Willy's Wonderland by the other cop that the sheriff brought in. She says, he's not trapped in here with them, they're trapped in here with him. Which we all know is a line from Rorschach in the Watchmen movie, which was kind of fun. 
And apparently, despite similarities, this is not a Five Nights at Freddy's adaptation. Yeah, but it's still similar, so even if you're not directly adapting it, there's definitely a lot of influence there. It's it's really... It is a crazy premise, even for a game. I've played the game a little bit, and it's fucking nuts. And this movie was nuts. Uh, according to the director, Kevin Lewis, he said this movie is Pale Rider versus Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Alright, well... That uh, makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Nicolas Cage was a producer on the movie and was very protective of the script. The script that included his character having no lines, just guttural sounds, sighs, and ah, after taking a drink. Yeah, but it worked for me. It worked for me. I, I like that. Oh, this is interesting. One of the producers, and I'm reading the trivia off IMDb right now, so just because I want to learn a little bit more about this. One of the producers on this film is an actor named Grant Kramer. Now, anyone who knows horror movies from the 80s will know that Grant Kramer played Mike Tobacco in Killer Clowns from Outer Space. So that's, that's a nice little nod there. They're like, hey, want to be a producer on this film? Sure. I was in Killer Clowns. Like, yeah, you were Mike Tobacco. We know. That's why we want you here. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall for that conversation. Oh, man. This is... This movie is... Crazy. Oh, man. Apparently this is Nicolas Cage's ninth horror movie after Vampire's Kiss in 88, Wicker Man in 06, Season of the Witch in 2011, Drive Angry also in 2011... Pay the Ghost in 2015, Mom and Dad in 2017, Mandy from 2018, and Color Out of Space from 2019. Now, Mandy, we're going to be covering here fairly soon, and I'm hoping that that will be myself, Leanne, our friend Patrick, who you heard on the Midsummer shows, as well as Paul Stedman, who was on our first Midsummer episode. Yes, we've done two of those. I do not want to revisit that fucking movie ever again. I may watch it again down the line. A ways down the line, because I've seen it like seven times now. But we're done. But yeah, Mandy, we're definitely covered on the show. I'm hoping to get those three people back together so the four of us can have a nice conversation about how fucking bug nuts Mandy is, from what I've heard. And we'll discuss the Cheddar Goblin. Oh, let's see if there's any other interesting trivia for Willy's Wonderland. Ba, 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 ba. Yes, I make noise when I stall. Do, do, do. Hmm. No, nothing... Nothing really interesting. Apparently prior to this movie, director Kevin Lewis had not directed a project since 2007. Of those, the highest rated on IMDb as of July 2020 is The Method with a 5.1 out of 10. Now, I'm not sure what the method is. I didn't look it up because I just now saw this. And I'm not going to. I think this is a damn fine film. So let's see. Spoilers. Like I said, we're doing spoilers. I don't care. This was a lot of fun. I'm spoiling it. If you haven't seen it, you should see this. And if you've listened to this before seeing it, what the fuck, bro? What the fuck? 
Forget what you heard here and go watch the movie. Let's see, Nicolas Cage was intrigued by the idea of making a movie without speaking any lines. That makes a lot of sense because it seems like something he would be interested in. Like, you mean I don't have to say anything in this movie? All right, let's do it. Let's let's do it. I'll just make noises when I take a drink, like ah, or I'll sigh, or I'll make noises when I'm beating something. Like, uh, uh, uh. yeah, it'll be real good. It'll be better than when I yelled the bees, not the bees. It's my horrible Nick Cage impression. Deal with it. Okay, zero speaking lines. Huh. Nicholas Cage always wanted to give a silent horror performance. Well, now you have. Apparently he's a fan of silent horror movies and was drawn to make a horror movie without speaking lines. Those are the four spoilers. All four of them talk about Nick Cage not having any speaking lines in this fucking movie. Which, again, I believe it works for this movie. Really, really, really fun movie. I had a lot of fun watching it. I think you guys would too. If you like crazy, over-the-top, ridiculous stuff, if you want to see a guy fight seven, I'm sorry, eight, eight animatronic puppets that are possessed by the souls of serial killers, you definitely need to watch Willy's Wonderland. It's definitely uh, approved by me. Yes. Definitely approved by me. Leanne's not here, so she can't give her approval. But uh, I did start the podcast. <laughs> I mean, she was the impetus of me starting it, but I'm going to say it's Skewered Universe approved, and you should watch it. She may see it and think otherwise, but uh, you know what? I, I, I did this episode all by myself, so it's what I say. <laughs> Leanne, if you hear this, I'm only kidding. You can give your opinion on the next time you're on the show. <laughs> anyway, I'm looking over my notes to see if there's anything else that I want to touch on before we move off this subject and into some other stuff here. Do, 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 do. Yeah, he loves pinball. Only took care of business by killing the robots when he wasn't on break. Uh, Nope. Just a lot of what we talked about. Yeah, we covered everything. Again, check out Willy's Wonderland. It's available to rent on Vudu. That's where I saw it. It's probably also available on Amazon Prime, if you're a member of that service. You probably find it just about anywhere for digital rent right now. I don't believe it's free streaming anywhere or streaming under services that you pay for. I do believe it's only a digital rental right now. But yeah, I would definitely give it give it a watch. It's only like four ninety nine to rent on Vudu, so if you've got an extra five bucks lying around, give it a watch. It's fun. It's definitely a good time. And if you're a fan of Nick Cage doing his Nick Cage thing, you'll definitely enjoy this. Again. Skewered Universe approved. Now, a little bit of housekeeping before we wrap this up. I posted on Facebook the other day that we're doing some new and exciting things over here at the Skewered Universe podcast. One of those being, we're in the process of setting up a Patreon page. So for any of you who listen to this, you'll be able to go on there. You can help support the show that way. Once we launch it, we'll do the official launch of everything, post it up on all the socials. 
the transmissions episodes will now be living under the Patreon. You'll be able to get it at a first tier, and then there'll be a second tier, where not only will you get access to the transmissions episodes... Now, before I move on, let me preface this by saying, the transmissions episodes that have been released up until the point of launch will still be available in the free feed. Once the launch ha of Patreon happens for Skewered Universe, any transmissions episodes going forward will be strictly available for Patreon members. And then I'll also move the back catalog of transmissions there if you haven't heard any of them, but they will still be available in the live feed for everyone else, the free feed that you can get through Apple Podcasts or Google or on Spotify or on Stitcher. We're on all of those. I think we're also on Verbal, which I don't know what that what the fuck that is, but I will reiterate something I heard before I keep going with the Patreon thing. We'll reiterate something I heard from a buddy of mine, El Goro, over at the Talk Without Rhythm podcast. If you happen to listen to Skewered Universe on one of these other platforms that I don't mention, such as Apple or Spotify, Stitcher, Google, whatever they may be, and you hear ads, those were not put in there by me. I have not signed up for any advertising. I have not done any deals with anyone to do advertising. They're just putting them in there. So if you come across that, shoot us an email at skeweduniversepodcast.gmail.com and let us know. Let us know where you're listening to it on so we can look into it and see why it's there and why they're putting ads in and why we're not getting any of that ad revenue. Because uh, if it's my show and I own it, you're going to put ads in there? You should be kicking back a little something. Or maybe I'll just see if I can pull the feed from their platform. You never know. Anyway, the Patreon. So as I said, once the launch happens, the transmissions episodes will strictly be available on Patreon. All the ones before will be available in the free feed that you get with your podcatcher of choice. So the first tier will be access to transmissions episodes. Then our second tier, there's only two tiers, so don't worry. Second tier will not only get you access to those transmissions episodes you'll get access to exclusive audio commentaries that Leanne and myself will be putting together for certain movies. So say you decide you want to watch the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, if we've recorded an audio commentary and it's available on Patreon, you'll have access to it and can download it whenever you want and put it on while the movie's running. Now, along with the Transmissions episodes and exclusive commentaries, in that second tier, you'll also be able to email us and make suggestions for movies you want us to cover on the show. Granted, we will still be taking suggestions from the regular email if you email into the show, but Patreons will be will have like priority pick. If a Patreon member and somebody else has emailed us the same movie, we're gonna give you guys both credit. But we definitely want the Patreon members to be able to give us some information as to what they want to hear us cover on the podcast. So that being said, that's the biggest thing. We're looking into... Well, I've got it all set. I just have to figure out a launch date. I think I'm going to sit down with Leanne when she gets back from her little trip here. We're going to discuss when the right time to launch the Patreon would be, and we'll definitely put it up on all the socials. And if you guys are really, really enjoying this show and you want to support us that way, that would be great. The tiers are only going to be like $3 and $7, so not, not too expensive. We're not, 
we realize we're still kind of new in this game. We haven't been around as long as some others, so we can't really say, oh, we've got five tiers, and they start at $10 and go up to 100 We can't do that. If things take off and Patreon goes well, and this seems to work better, we may reconfigure, or we may add some tiers, and add some other offerings, and kind of readjust how the tiers work. But for now, it's the two. $3 will end up getting you the transmissions. $7 will get you access to transmissions, audio commentaries, and priority selection of movies you want us to cover on the show. So yeah, keep an eye on the socials. Keep an eye on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And you'll see when we get that launched. All right. I think that's it. We've covered Willy's Wonderland. I talked about celebrity encounters I had at Knott's Berry Farm when I was working there. And I'm very excited to reveal to you guys that we're going to be launching a Patreon very, very soon. Man, good things are coming from the Skewered Universe. Keep, keep your ears open. Keep listening. We appreciate the downloads we get. We appreciate the listeners we get. We're still looking for some feedback, so send that in. SkeweredUniversePodcast at gmail.com. You can even hit us up on Facebook. Just search for Skewered Universe Podcast. I'm on Twitter, at Skewered underscore you. And we're on Instagram. I believe Instagram is also at Skewered you. But I'm going to check that right now because I have my phone right here. We are Skewered underscore universe on Instagram. And I'm going to double check my Twitter just to make sense. And I'll drop in the, the links, whatever. But I should still say it so people know. Yes, at Skewered You. That is our Twitter handle. We're on Facebook, Skewered Universe Podcast. Just search it. You'll find us. You want to join the group? I'll definitely let you into the group. Not a problem. Just don't fucking do anything stupid. That being said, this has been a fun one. And I've been talking for damn near an hour. And I hope you all keep enjoying that universe that's just a bit skewered. Check out Skewered Universe Podcast at the following links. Skeweredhead.com Facebook.com slash groups slash Skewered Universe Podcast Skeweruniverse.podbean.com Twitter at SkeweredU Instagram, Skewered underscore Universe Email the show at SkeweredUniversePodcast at gmail.com